is a letter written by the Apostle Paul. Apostle just means he's a church planter to churches that he planted in Galatia. It's modern-day Turkey. There were some Celtic Christians, actually a large group of Celtic Christians who were in that modern-day Turkey that's actually a center of Christianity to this day in the Middle East. And, 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 and Paul planted a bunch of churches around in a bunch of different environments, a bunch of different cities, a bunch of different communities, and he left. And he would you know, raise up local pastors, raise up local uh, elders and leaders in those churches, and then he would go and plant more churches. And so when Paul leaves the churches in Galatia, these Jewish Christians from Jerusalem, so Jews that had believed the message of Jesus, been converted, they go to Galatia to where Paul leaves, and they start telling these, these Galatian Christians, you're not doing enough. Like, you, you can't just have Jesus and be saved. You, you have to have Jesus plus Judaism. Like, you have, to do all the, you have to obey the law and do all the other stuff, specifically circumcision. Can you imagine, you know, like joining a new church and, and, and the membership class is, hey, by, by the way, we got to talk to you about this surgery. Only women joined the church in Galatia. <laughs> like, no, no dudes were joining the church in Galatia. And so Paul has to write this letter literally addressing this issue of like, hey, i got to correct you back. I'm, I'm, he honestly is surprised and, and a little upset that you were so easily sort of, you know, taken away by what he calls this false gospel. In the first week, we talked about how there's really two brands of Christianity. I don't mean two denominations. I mean there's two ways you can get to God. Paul talks about this in Galatians 1. That there's these two gospels. There's the, the one gospel, which he calls the false gospel, is doing it your own way. Like, you know, it, it's a, here's how you know if you're living it that way, that you, it's a bummer to go to church. It's hard. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of rules. It's a list. You, you do it because you don't want to go to hell, but you're mad about doing it every time you do it. He said you can get to God that way by keeping the law or... The real gospel Paul talks about in, in, in chapter 1 is, is that you come to God through Jesus, that you come, it's, it's, a life, it's a life-giving, a vibrant, a living, individual faith that is passionate and full of, like it's a personal relationship with God. We talked about how really that, that choice was given in the first story of the Bible, Genesis, the second chapter. God puts two trees in the Garden of Eden. One of the trees is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The other one is the tree of life. And you can get to God both ways. Religion says you got to do it our way, the knowledge of good and evil. You got to follow the rules. You got to work hard. You got to do it that way. Or, and, and this is really foundational about who we are as a church, you can come to God through, through, through the tree of life, where this life giving, vibrant, personal relationship with Christ. And so we talked about that in week one. Last week, Pastor Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands preaching a, a video message to this church about living a crucified life. An amazing message. If you didn't hear that, it's on the podcast as well about how we crucify our flesh and I'm not living for me. That's how you live this grace-filled life that honors God. And let me just pause there and tell our team how thankful I am uh, that, that you release me to be able to do what God's called me to do in other churches around America and, and occasionally around the world where I get to travel and preach in different places. And, and you, you are so uh, encouraging and, and helpful in that that I trust you. When I get to do that, thank you for releasing me uh, to do that. And so those were the first two weeks. So we're going to pick up today. If you, did, if you didn't hear any of those, you can pick up right where we are today in Galatians, the third chapter. Take a look on the screen. You can follow along. Galatians 3 and 1. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Paul is, again, so mad that these Galatians would get fooled 
into following this false gospel. He calls and he calls them you dumb Galatians, you foolish Galatians. Who has cast, underline this in your Bible, who's cast this evil spell on you? Now, when it says evil, it doesn't literally mean like, you know what I mean? Like nanu, nanu. Like, not, like, not a, like <laughs> nanu, nanu, anybody? Any, yeah, there you are. Yeah, I'm getting a little older. Like, uh, uh, there's no evil spell like a witch or warlike cast. Really, the Greek there for evil spell, he's really talking about. And it, there, was, there was a colloquial uh, term that the Galatians knew about an evil eye. Like that, you, somebody's looking at you with an evil eye. Anybody ever been to a church where you feel like everybody was giving you the stink eye? You know what I'm talking about? Like you weren't good enough to be there. Anybody else but me? You didn't wear the right stuff. You like I can't believe she wore that today. Look at that girl. Look, at, I know who she is. I saw her on Facebook. I cannot believe she's even here, girl. Did you see her? I cannot. That. Why would they come to church with their hair colored that way? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, why your hair is not supposed to be purple till you're like 80? Why, why is their hair purple? Why, why, why do they got so many tattoos? Why, that, what, what's wrong? And they, and they give you this sort of, they give you this evil eye, and, and you know that you know that it's not about your heart at that church. It's about how you look. It's about what you do. That's what Paul was pointing out. That's that evil spell he's talking about. Is there's this evil eye that people are turning their nose up at you. I can't believe that you're becoming like those Christians that turn their nose up and give the evil eye to everybody else. Because the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made clear to you as if you were there that day. Like as if you saw Jesus on the cross yourself. You, you know this. It has meaning and it's not about you judging everybody else. Let me ask you this one question. P- Paul writes this. I love the way he says it. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? That, like, did you get saved did, did your life get changed when you followed the rules? And then he answers his own question. I love how he answers his own question. He says, of course not. Of course that's not how that happened. Nobody's life has ever been changed by following the rules. Matter of fact, when you follow the rules, you feel like my life is like I'm chained down. I'm not being changed. He said, you receive the Spirit because... You believe the message that you heard about Christ. I'm going to talk to you about that today. That's actually what I'm preaching to you today. You received the message when you, 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 you received God's spirit when you heard, when you believed what God said about you, the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? You started your Christian lives in the spirit, following after God. Now, why are you trying to become perfect? And here's really... You want to know what judgmentalism is in a, in, a, in a capsule, like in a nutshell? This is it. It's trying to become perfect by your own human effort. That's the best definition of religion that I know. That you're trying to get to God our own way. This is why people judge, by the way. Those churches you go to where people look at you with that evil eye and they, you know, they can't believe you're not doing it right, you're not following the rules, nothing's right in your life, you shouldn't be here. Let me tell you why. It's because they're trying to get perfect on their own human effort. And listen, when you try to do it your way and somebody else isn't doing it as good as you, then it gives you the right to judge them. Anybody ever have parents that you felt like that, you know, they're, they're, they work or, or a friend and they work real hard and you're like, I can't keep up. And they're mad at you because you can't keep. Anybody ever work out with somebody who's all up in the gym, like sweating and whatnot, and you just you try and just stay alive on the treadmill? Where y'all at on that? Are you like, your boy's husky, I'm sweating over here, I'm going to need a break, okay? You can go lift, look at you. You go lift life, go look in that mirror. You just go, I'm a, your boy's going to take a break. I'm going to be sitting over here if you need me. 
And there's some people who this is how you live your Christianity. I'm try, if, if, if you don't do it as good as I do, then they, they feel like they're supposed to judge you. That like, that because, because you're, you're not giving as much human effort as I'm giving. And it creates this religious environment that Paul is so angry about that the Galatian church has fallen into. And here's the reason why Paul starts talking about the gospel. Here's the reason why the gospel works so well. Write this down in your notes. By the way, if you're new to City Hills, only people who take notes go to heaven. That's in the Bible. That's actually not in the Bible. That was very legalistic of me. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) But for real. Write this down. Here's the reason why. It's because our hearts naturally tend towards legalism. Like our hearts naturally draw us to legalism. People, there's something in our heart that naturally tries to pay for what we have received. I feel like I didn't, I feel like I didn't deserve this. I, you know, I hear people all the time when I tell them that God can forgive them. The first response most of the time is, well, you don't know what I've done. In other words, I got to pay for this myself. That grace really can't be that amazing. That it really can't be that easy. That I was a sinner. I was so bad and I need to pay for it. And so some people spend their whole Christianity, listen close, paying for their own sins. Legalism just says you're wrong and you have to pay for it and make it right. Because our hearts sort of naturally tend that way. Paul continues in Galatians 3 and 10. He said everybody, here's the problem with that. All who rely on keeping the law, on the works of the law, listen to this, everybody who tries to keep the rules, you're under a curse. Why in the world? I thought I was trying to do the right thing. I thought I was trying to get to God this way. Why would I be under a curse? Here's the reason why. He said it's written this way. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Let me tell you what God said. He said if you make one mistake... if if you, if you take this path of legalism and you make one mistake, the Bible says you're under a curse. And so now we've got a problem. I'm trying to get to God. I'm try, these laws, are. I'm trying to get to where God is, but I can't ever do it. I'm always messing it up. Here's the second thing I want you to write down. The law, God knew this about you and he knew this about the law. The law could not be obeyed. You can't do it. You can't keep it right. And so you live this life under a curse. Do you know what the curse that you live under by trying to keep the law? Listen to me. The curse is guilt and the curse is shame. And I meet more Christians under that curse than any other curse. It, the, people always talk about, you know, Pastor, we under a generational curse. Let me tell you a generational curse that I deal with more than anything else. It's the, it's the curse of shame and guilt. That I'm not good enough. I can't ever be that. God can never use me. I messed up too much because the law can't be obeyed. And we're all trying to get to God. I'm trying to access God, but there's a chasm in the way. There's something in the way back there. Kent, where you at right there? Kent, stand up. Come back here, bub. Kent's got a Jesus beard. He's Jesus today. That's what you get for having a Jesus beard. Stand right there. Listen. Most people, I'm trying to get to God, that's Jesus. I'm trying to get there, but I feel down here and he's up there. Now listen, all of you people that sit down low because you're going to heaven, all of the people that sit down low, you're all, <laughs> you're, all of my, you're all of my sins and all of my problems. Don't look at your spouse like, see, you're the, you're the problem. You're, and people go, I can't get to God because of all of these sins I see. 
and I want to get to him, but I've broken the law this time and 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 that time and that, and I messed up and I failed and I've fallen short and I made a promise and I didn't keep it and I lied and I cheated and I'm addicted and I messed up and I've got problems and hang-ups and habits and I can't get there and God's up there and I'm down here and I can't ever make it and you live 25 years of Christianity trying your best to crawl over your own sins to get to God. I'm preaching better than you're amening. If you're new here, amen is like sick them to a bulldog. I'm preaching my socks down for you today. You gotta, you'll get more out of it if you'll get involved in it. I promise you that. You're trying to get to God on your own. Listen, this is the best picture I know of religion, and I meet more people that are addicted to this than anything else. You're addicted to shame and guilt and problems, and there's just no way I can be good enough. And I tell you, you've got purpose, and God's got potential in you, and you've got greatness inside of you, and there's nothing you can do. And you come to church, and you listen, and you think to yourself, there's just no way. You don't know me. You don't know how far I've got to get to God. And the law cannot be obeyed. And, and the truth of the matter is, sin has a consequence. Thanks, Jesus. You can sit down. <laughs> sin has a consequence. Romans says it like this. There's a consequence. The wages of sin. In other words, the payment that is required for sin is death. Something has to die to pay for it. God is a God of justice. It's not fairness. It's justice. And the justice is you and I have sinned against the God of creation. Something has to die to pay for that. The wages of sin is death. Now I have a dilemma. I'm trying to get to God. I know that there has to be a death between me and Him. There's this great chasm. And then Paul sort of, he he illustrates this so well to the Galatians. Because if I'm in Galatia, I've got this problem in my mind where I'm going, I hear you. But how do I get there? And then Paul just, he just talks about it in 319. Here's what he said. What then is the purpose of the law? Why did we even have this? Because if you're a religious person, you're thinking, well, pastor, that doesn't make any sense. Why did the law exist? I mean, these, Christ, these Jewish Christians make a good point. Maybe we're supposed to obey all this stuff so that we can get to God, so that God would accept us. I, I have this standard that God wants me to keep, but I keep failing. And some people, I meet people all the time who believe in a 51% heaven. You know what that is? That's where they believe if they do 51% good and 49% bad, God will let them in. Like, I just got to make it by 1%. You know what I mean? I just got to do one more good thing than I do bad things, and God will let me in. Look into my eyes. If you commit one sin, you're a sinner, and you can't go to heaven with sin. One. And no sin's greater than the other. Despite whatever you saw on television, despite whatever religious dogma you grew up in, there aren't worse sins than other sins. There's only one heaven and one hell, everybody. There is no worse than my stuff. You can look around and say, but they're further along than I am, but they're not worse than you are. Now I've got a dilemma. How do I get to God? Because I, I don't even know why this exists. Or what, like what, what was the Old Testament? You ever read the Old Testament? Anybody ever read the Bible and think, why is that in there? Anybody ever done that but me? I do that all the time. That don't covet your neighbor's stuff, that's hard when my neighbor puts his new boat on Instagram. Why would you do that when I'm trying not to covet? Like I, I read the Bible all the time and think, Boy, I wish that wasn't there. I'm going to pretend I didn't see that. <laughs> What's the purpose of the law anyway, Paul says? God, God gave us the law. Listen close. He's going to answer it in Scripture, but listen to me. God gave you the law. God gave us religion, that tree of knowledge of good and evil. He put it in the garden so that, God, I wish you could get this one thing. 
He gave it to you so that you would know that rule following and discipline and knowledge and theology, as good as all that is, it's never going to be enough to get you across your sins to God. That you're going to come to a point in your life, I hope it's today. My prayer is, all week my prayer for you is that today's the day that I set you free from religion. Listen, that today's the day that you realize I need something more than just the rules because I'm miserable. I'm on my way to heaven, but I feel like I'm failing every single day. I feel like I can't ever get it right. I don't even know what the purpose of all these rules are. I feel like I'm under the curse of shame and guilt. Listen to me. I want you to get to the point today. My hope is that today you realize you don't just need something. Something else, you need someone else. That you need Jesus to get you to God. That's why Paul answered his own question. In verse 24, he says this, the law was, here's the why. You want to know why? what the purpose of the law is? The law was put in charge, listen close, to lead us to Christ. God said, I actually created a bunch of rules so that you could figure out that the rules could never get you to me and you would just choose me. I actually, I have this law so that you could realize that your own effort is never going to be good enough. Judges and kings and kingdoms and divided kingdoms and temples and sacrifices and goats and doves and bulls and blood and all of that stuff. None of that could take care of the guilt that you feel. Look at me. Religion and serving and tithing, all that's good stuff. Coming to church, great stuff. All, you ought to do all of that stuff, but none of that's going to take care of the shame of your past. Because the purpose of the law is to lead you to Christ. That we might be justified by faith. And when you get this in your life, when, when faith comes in, when you realize, now that I'm in a relationship that's vibrant and life-giving and full of life, Now we don't have to have the supervision of the law. Now I'm not. Listen, this is what makes Christianity so amazing. Is that Jesus built a bridge over your stuff so you could get to God. It literally is a a bridge you could cross so you could get to God. Listen close to me. Look me in the eyes. Especially if you were raised in church. I want you to hear this as clearly as you hear anything I say today. Hell is not a place that God sends people to that he's mad at. Hell is a place that people go to pay for their own sins. The only reason hell exists is so that you, because something has to die. The wages of sin is death. Hell is a place that people go to pay for their own sins. But when you, when you, when you accept what Jesus did for you, now you, he pays for your sin. He does for you. The law, write this down, the law leads us to Christ. It, 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 I get to the point where I realize I can't ever keep this. Here's the way I like to say it. I didn't put it on the screen, but you can write it down. Legalism and religion says you need to do right. You need to do everything just right. Just keep, keep all the rules. Look a certain way. Dress a certain way. Be as, talk a certain way. You need to do right. Religion and legalism says do right. But the gospel, it's made you right. It built a bridge where you couldn't. It, it, it made a way. Listen, Christ does not want you. He does not ask you to do right. 
Christ wants to make you right. That's what being born again really means, everybody. God doesn't, most people believe that church and God and believing in Jesus and, get, you know, putting your faith on Him. and try, Most people believe getting saved is God incrementally improving your life. Look at me. God does not want to improve your life. God wants to do away with your old life and give you a brand new life. Jesus didn't die to make mad people good. Jesus died to make dead people alive. He didn't die to just just change your marriage from mediocre to kind of okay. No, he died so that you could bury all of your mistakes in your marriage and you could raise up a brand new person and be who God called you to be, be the spouse God wants you to be. That's why Jesus died. He didn't just die so you can manage your addiction. He died so that you could bury your addiction and you could raise up in a brand new life. God, I'm preaching right now to my. If I had a handkerchief and an organ, I would hold y'all captive. They don't know, William. They don't know. Me and you know. They don't know what we can do. You listen. Jesus did not die just so you have a little bit. He died so you could be brand new. And you can live your whole life trying to follow the rules. And you're going to, I hope today's the day you finally decide. This was all about Jesus anyway. This was all about grace anyway. My job is not to take you every Sunday and tell you what not to do. If you come back next Sunday, I'm still not going to point my finger at you and give you a list of stuff not to do. If you come back a year from now, this is never going to be the church that points their finger at you and tells you don't do that, stop doing that, come back next week, bring your list, I'm going to add five or six things to it. That's just not the way we're ever going to be. i tell you what I am going to do next week and the week after that and the week after that. I'm going to point every one of you broken and confused and messed up and addicted and hurt and hang up. And I'm going to say Jesus can take care of all of that. I'm going to point you to Jesus and let him take care. It's not about the law. The law leads us to Christ. Shout amen to that, everybody. i got to hurry because I'm running out of steam and I'm hungry. So you got to learn how to live in grace. Paul Paul kind of ends chapter 3 talking about the gospel of grace. Actually, it's a heading in your Bible. It's called the gospel of grace. And so I I tried to think of how I could preach grace to you and not be cheesy, but I couldn't figure it out, so I'm just going to be cheesy. And if you're new here, I normally don't use acrostics. That's just cheesy to me. But I'm going to do it today to give you the best way I know how to talk about grace. I'm going to give you five things using grace. Using grace, that grace, matter of fact, five is, is the number of grace all throughout the, all throughout the Bible. The, the woman at the well was on her fifth husband. She meets the, she meets the next man. It's, it's the number of grace. It's always the number of grace. So I'm going to give you five things that grace is. Write these down. Take good notes. Here's the first one. Grace is the G. Grace is a free gift. It's a free gift. Jesus did not come for you to earn it. He came so you could get this free gift. And listen to me. His gift was his life. I don't ever want you to forget the horror of the moment that God the Father gives His only begotten Son, His one and only Son for you to have eternal life. Listen, it's like when somebody's, like if you've ever had someone save your life, like really save your life, like it's almost like if you're, you're on a train track and there's a bullet train headed your way and somebody pushes you out of the way at the last minute and they take the train, they saved your life. That's what Jesus did for you. It's a free gift. You can't earn that. He paid your bill in the courtroom of your life when when, when all of eternity was going to sentence you to death because hell is only where people go to pay for their own sins. And when, when he was going to do that, listen, 
He said, I'll take their punishment on me. The Bible even says the chastis- the punishment of our peace was on him. He took it all. Coincidentally, by the way, the, the last breath that Jesus breathed on earth, he, the next breath that he breathed, he was in hell. The Bible said for the days that between the time he died and the time he rose from the grave, he went to hell and knocked on the devil's door and took away the keys to hell, death, and the grave. So that thing that tells you you're not good enough, Jesus said, I'll, I'll go there and take care of all of that for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was better than you did. Anyway. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. Romans 6 says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. Here's the second thing. Write this down quickly. Grace is is received by faith. Grace is received by faith. Now listen, this is, I'm going to stretch you theologically here, but I want you to follow along because I really think this could change some of your lives. Faith is not what you believe in. Faith is who you believe on. Let me, say it a be- let me say it a better way. Faith is not who you believe in. Faith is who you trust in. Let me, let me tell you why. Believing in Jesus, that Jesus is God come to us, the Son of the living God, God come to us, pay for our sin. Believing in that is not enough to make you saved. Because the devil believed, the Bible said, the devil and his, the, the, the angels that fell with him, they believe in him. They know he's the Son of God. Are, is the devil saved anybody? No. So believing in Christ is not enough to save you. Listen, you've got to believe. One, one, one verse says that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And another one, a better way to say it is not believing in him. It's really trusting in him. It's more than I believe Jesus was God come to. I believe Jesus did that. No, no, no. I'm going to trust Jesus for doing that. Let me give you the example. I, I'm a father. I have two small children, a six and a half year old. The reason I don't preach a lot about parenting teenagers is because I haven't. And I ain't trying to talk to you all about what we're doing. I have a six and a half year old and a, and a three and a half year old little boy. And my little boy is all boy. I'm telling you, he's going to play for the SEC. He's my retirement plan. Y'all encourage him. If you see him, tackle him, put him on the ground, put him in a headlock. That's my retirement plan. So he's all boy, and, and, and we wrestle every single, anybody, a dad of boys, you wrestle all the time. Brandy, my wife, always gets upset. She's like, you're going to hurt him. I'm like, I'm not going to hurt him. If I choke him out, he'll wake up. Like, he'll just black out a little bit. He'll wake up. He's fine. My little boy jumped. My little girl does too because when you're in a house with a boy, this is what you do. But he jumps all over. The other day, this is a true story. The other day, I walk into the kitchen, and he, he has this wrestling. We don't watch wrestling. We don't really watch WWE, but I'm, all, I'm, I'm about old school wrestling. I'm about Jerry the King Lawler wrestling. I'm about Jake the Snake. Where y'all at on Jake the Snake? I'm about Macho Man. Woo! Randy Savage. Y'all don't even know. But he loves to wrestle. So I walk in the kitchen the other day, and we have a counter. We have a, high, a pretty high bar and countertop. He is, on, I don't know how he gets there, pulls a chair over. He is on the countertop, standing up, diaper only, ready to go. And I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Henry, don't move. I go to him, and, bro, he lets out this war cry and jumps on my back with everything he's got in him and starts pummeling me from the countertop. Now, listen. He didn't believe in me as his father. He already knew that. 
He was safe to jump, oh God, because he trusted me to catch him. The difference in faith, when you receive grace by faith, it's not that you just believe that Jesus was God. It's that you trust that he'll catch you and carry you when you fall. It's trusting. It's more than head knowledge. Listen, it's in your heart. It's why the first thing we talk about in vision at this church, I want you to know God. It's our first vision statement, and really it's the, it's the foundation of everything we do. I don't want you to know about God. This is not a church that will ever be built on theological, theologians, doctrinal. No, I don't want you to know about God in your head. I want you to know God. I want you to have a vibrant, I want you to receive that grace by trusting in God. You, you understand that? Everybody shout amen to that. Ephesians says it like this, for it's by grace. For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. Not, not, that, not anything you could earn. It's a gift from God so that when you get to church, you don't do like those Galatians and look with evil eyes and boast about what you've done. No, no, no. I just, listen, God's, God's changed my life. I've received this by grace. Here's the third one. Write this down. Grace, G-R-A, grace is available for everybody. Grace is available for everyone. Now, if this is your home or this is not your home, you're visiting today, I'm going to tell you without any reservations, I'm pretty, I'm pretty straightforward, but I'm really straightforward about this one. This will never be a church that casts an evil eye on anyone. This will never be a church that exists for just church people. This is never going to be the church that exists for us. This church you're in today at 11 o'clock, this church exists for everybody. Everybody. It's not just for people that look like me or vote like me. It's not just for people who have their lives together like me, raised in church like me, have all the answers like me, or only carry their sins like I carry mine. This church is for anyone and everyone. White, black, brown, Hispanic, legal, illegal. I don't care how you got here. I don't care what your problem is. I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, or haven't voted in 20 years. You listen to me. This church is for everyone. It's for every, grace is available. Everybody needs this. And if you go to a church or you belong to a church where everybody looks like you, this probably ain't your church because this church is for broken people, hurting people, abused people, handicapped people that have, I don't even want anybody to know what I'm dealing with. That's the kind of church you're in. Listen, this is not a church for nice church people that just come and they church people and they take, that is not this kind of church. This church is not a holy huddle. This church is a hospital for brokenness. It's a hospital for people who don't have it all together. You can come here. We're not going to tell you what's wrong with you. We're going to tell you what's right with Jesus, and you can get to God. It's for everybody. Woo! It's for everybody. Everybody. Grace is for everybody. This church does not exist for us. We are the church, and we exist for the world. I'm going to say that again because you should have written that down. This church does not exist for us. We are the church. And we exist for the world. I want you to come here and get pastored. We pastor in groups. 
I want you to come here and find your family. We find that family when we serve on a team and we get in a group. I want you to be discipled here. I want to be your pastor. I want to walk with you on the hardest. I want our team. I want our dream team. I want our connect group leaders to be with you at baby births and deaths. I I want you to find a, a, a church for believers. I think this church ministers to believers. But listen to me. We are never going to be about the people that are here primarily. We're always going to turn our attention to people who aren't here yet. Because everybody needs to know there's a safe place. Right now it's in a movie theater, won't always be. We're going to have a building here and a building there and campuses all over the hill country in San Antonio. Cousin, Listen, somebody asked me the other day, Pastor, when's the, when, when's the end? How many campuses are you going to plant? When's the last time? How many services we're going to have? You look at me. Until no one's in hell and everybody's going to heaven, we're going to keep planting churches. We're going to keep having serve days. We're going to keep sending tens of thousands of dollars to missions because we're going to change that because grace is available for everybody. Everybody. Everybody needs this. God, that was good. I'm going to listen to my own podcast. Romans says it like this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Everyone. Everyone. You don't have to get right first. It's available. i got to hurry. Our team's getting nervous. Number four, grace comes only through Christ. G-R-A-C. Grace comes only through Christ. Somebody, somebody talks about church sometimes, and you sort of hear religious people say, well, man, that's a... You know, you got to be careful over there at that church. You know, when they start talking about grace, that's a real broad, you know, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow and straight is the way, the path that leads to God. Let me tell you how narrow this path is. Listen, this path is so narrow, it's about the width of a man's shoulders because you can't get to God except by Jesus. Other world religions may tell you we're all the same. We're all trying to get to God. I believe we're all trying to get to God. But you listen to me. You can't get there any other way but Jesus. That's where we separate. That's what makes this way a narrow way. The only way you can get to God is through Jesus. He's the only one who paid for our sin. The law was given, John 1, 17. The law was given through Moses. But grace, if you want to get grace, you got to come through Jesus Christ. Galatians says it like this. Don't. Don't treat the grace of God. Don't think this is just easy. No, no, no. No, if you could keep the law, if you could get right with God by keeping the law, you would have. And Christ wouldn't have had to die. But you can't get there without Christ. And here's the last thing, and, and then we'll pray. Here, here's the fifth thing. I want you to write this down. I'm not, I'm not done. I need five more minutes. And y'all are all going to stay for loadouts. That's why I love y'all. So our team doesn't, if I preach over, you're going to stick around, right? Right. Thank you both. Here's the E. Grace is extended throughout eternity. In other words, and I I don't, on, honestly, I'm not God. Chris, I don't know that I fully have, can, can wrap my head around this. But the Bible says this, that His mercy endures not just your lifetime. That it endures forever. You say, does that mean after? Yeah. Here's what that means, that when Jesus paid for your sins, listen, He paid for your past sins. He pays for your present sin. And when you, when you accept this free gift from God, He'll pay for it. He knows your future. It's your future. Every, all of your sins are covered. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him doesn't have to pay for their own sins. You don't have to perish. You can live forever. And I know what you're thinking if you were 
if you're coming out of that religious environment, you're thinking, man, all of this grace talk, all of this stuff, that sounds like I can just do whatever I want. Listen to me. Grace doesn't let you off the hook. Grace changes your motivation. Grace, Galatians, the end of, the end of Galatians, grace is not an excuse to sin. Grace is a motivation to live for God. Let me show you. Here's what Titus says. It says, the grace of God has appeared and it offers salvation to all people. We've, 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 I know that. And when you accept that grace, you don't get off the hook, no. Here's what grace does in your life. When you finally start living in that tree of life in grace and not trying to live religion and follow the rules, here's what happens. Your inside motivation changes. Now grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives. Grace becomes our teacher. It doesn't change us from the outside in. Grace changes us from the inside out. Here's the last thing. You can write this down, then we're going to pray together. I don't even know if this is good English. If you're an English teacher, I'm sorry. I don't even know if this is right. But here's the best definition of grace I could come up with. Grace is when what you ought to do becomes what you want to do. I know know what I should do. Grace now changes my motivation that that's how I want to live my life. I want to live my life. If God gave his life for me, listen, if God could send Jesus to die for me, I'd give my whole life to him. What I ought to do becomes what I want to do. Changes everything inside of me. Put your notes down, bow your heads, and close your eyes all over the room. Give me about two more minutes of your time. I promise I won't take much longer than that. I want to include you in a prayer today. No one's looking around. Our team's in place. No one's looking. And, and if, you, if you are living that life, maybe in that tree of knowledge of good and evil, you've been trying to do it on your own, follow the rules, and you're living with guilt and shame and condemnation, and I don't even know how I, I don't know if I could ever be good enough. I always feel less than. No one's looking around with your eyes closed. And you need to have that grace moment where you receive that grace through faith. Not what I believe in, what I believe on. (laughs) What I believe on, not what I believe in. I don't just, I don't want him to know I believe in the Bible. I believe in, no, 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 I'm going to put my trust in him. I'm going to put all of my past on him. I'm going to put my sin, I'm going to put all of that, I'm going to give it to God. If that's you and you want to be included in this prayer, no one's looking around, would you just raise your hand all over the room and say, man, include me, I see you, I see you. Hands up all over the room, I see you. I see you. I see couples with hands up. I see you. I see you back there. I see you at the top. Include me in that prayer. Now listen, put your hands down. I can pray this prayer with you, but I cannot pray it for you. So I want you from your heart, from deep down, I want you to say something that sounds like this. I'll give you some words. Say, dear Jesus, I need you today. Jesus, because you died for my sins, I come to you with my whole life. I give you my sin, my past, my problems, my mess-ups, my habits, my shame, my guilt. I've tried to get there my own way, and I can't get to you. God, I've tried my best to follow the rules, and I keep, I let you down. I feel so bad. So I'm giving up all of that. I'm just coming to you through Jesus. Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you wash me in your blood? Would you cleanse me today? 
God, I don't want you to make me better. I want you to make me brand new. I give you my whole life. I'm not trying to go my own way. I'm not going to do it my own way anymore. I'm going to give my life to you. I want it your way. Be the Lord of my life, Jesus. I receive. Come on, every person in the room, say it out loud. I receive your grace, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God the best praise, everybody. 